Hey, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. We've been following the 50 commands of Christ, starting with his first command that he just put out there for everybody to repent. And then we talked about the the, the tricky command of Jesus to let not your heart be troubled. And then we talked about probably one of the most well-known commands of Jesus to follow him, his follow me calling to the disciples. And now we're going to talk today about his command to rejoice. I know that sounds weird, right? Jesus commanded that we rejoice. I'm going to read uh, from Matthew 5, 12, probably some of the surrounding context too, just so we know what's going on here. All right, so he's doing the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5. He says, <clears throat> all right, I'm going to start in, in verse 11, actually. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So in the context, he's saying rejoice. He's saying rejoice and be glad that you're being persecuted. So if we, this just goes to show how if you take a verse out of context, you miss some of the meaning. If I just started with 12, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. I would miss the part that said, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Jesus is saying, take it as a good thing when you're being treated badly because you're his follower. Rejoice and be glad in that. That's difficult. But he's not the only one that said that type of thing. We have stuff from Paul. We have stuff from James. I'm going to read a couple things that, uh, that go along the same lines. Two of them are from 2 Corinthians. One is 2 Corinthians 6.10, which again, I feel like I need to read a little bit more of the context. So I'm going to go and I'm going to read a little bit of the surrounding text. Okay, so... He says, for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. So when he starts a sentence with the word for, you kind of got to go back and figure out what he's referencing there. Okay, so he's talking about, as it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. He's talking about, and I'm sorry, that was 7.10. I wasn't reading 6.10, 7.10. He's talking about rejoicing over repentance, over doing the right thing, repentance over uh, a changed heart. I'm sorry, uh, rejoicing over a changed heart. And so that's just, you know, um, that's very Paul to say something like that. Um, he also says in, let's see, it's 2 Corinthians 12.10. 12.10, and I'm going to back up a little bit, Okay. I'm going to back up to eight. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this. This is the thorn that's in his flesh. 
three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I want us to look at something here because I feel like there's something that really gets left out when we quote some of the scriptures from Paul. We have a tendency to do like the, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength and take it out of context. We can take the Romans 8, all things work together for good and leave out for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And I, I feel like in this one, this Second Corinthians passage, we often take out, for the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We, we have this tendency to focus on the when I'm weak, I'm strong. And it's good that we focus on how he says God's grace is sufficient in his weakness. And we take that for ourselves. God's grace is sufficient in our weakness. That's good. Glory to God is given. But for the sake of Christ, we're content when we're in hardships. For the sake of Christ, we rejoice when things aren't going our way. For him to be glorified. For things to uh, further his kingdom on earth. Now we all know this next one. James 1, 2-4. through 4. You know this one. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I find it interesting as I read that verse. It stands out to me that not only are we to count it joy when we're suffering, when we're facing trials, we're supposed to find joy in that. But when he says that that produces steadfastness, he says, let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. One of the results of rejoicing in difficult times or actually taking it to mean something good is happening is that it actually produces a more a more perfect you that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing as you're being sanctified as you're becoming more like Jesus one way that you do that is not just going through the motions but in actually rejoicing in the process I'm going to be real honest here. That is one of the most difficult things for me in my entire faith journey. I pray about something. I pray for God to help me in something. And sometimes when I don't get it immediately, I, I, I get to be a little whiny baby. If we're just putting it out there honestly. I'm just, why didn't this happen? This is what I wanted. And I don't take joy in the fact or rejoice in the fact that I'm going through something that's going to make me more like Jesus, something that's going to build my character, something that's going to make me tougher. And to use some of that military terminology, I need to just embrace the suck and just get through it, not just with my teeth grit, 
not just do it to be done with it, but to actually rejoice in the process of it. To go through all of that with a happy heart, rejoicing. It reminds me of a song, which is based off of, uh, I believe it's from Job. Uh, blessed be the name of the Lord. When he, he's singing about, uh, blessed be your name when, the, when, when everything's going well. Blessed be your name when everything gets taken away from me. It's hard when we're in that situation to say, blessed be the name of the Lord and just worship him. It is well with my soul is a song that was written by a man in agony because his entire family was lost in a, in a shipwreck. And he said, in the midst of that, it is well with my soul. Why? Because he knew God had a bigger plan. Because he knew that God had something going on that was um, bigger than what he could see. So he, 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 in a way, he rejoiced in that moment. So Jesus's command to rejoice isn't just like, hey, you, go rejoice. It's very specific. It's a command to rejoice when you're in the process of being made to be more like him. When you're going through character building, when you're going through the refining fire, when you're going through the things that are um, for the purpose of his glory and, and for your good to rejoice in that. I'm going to try to get better about that. I'm going to try to do better this week at rejoicing when I'm in those moments. I'm bad about it. I'm not preaching at you right now. I'm reading this to study it and I'm bringing you along with me as I study it because I need this. Some of the other things that we've already covered, like repenting, I'm pretty good at turning away from uh, the sins that, that I do commit when I realize I've done wrong and I ask forgiveness and I turn away. I'm fairly good at not letting my heart be troubled, not dwelling on something and worrying about it and putting it in God's hands. Um, I'm not always the best at following Jesus and keeping his commands, but I, I think I try. But this rejoicing in the midst of the things that are hard in life is a real sore spot for me. I recognize it in my head and I recognize that I need to do it. But sometimes my head doesn't make me do what it understands, if that makes sense. So I'm going to be really intentional this week about rejoicing whenever I'm in a situation that's, um, that, that's not feeling great, but maybe for my good or maybe is for the glory of God. And I hope that in saying that, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not inviting uh, just raining down of hardship. I don't want that to happen. Um, but as I go along in life and as I encounter these things, I'm not asking for more of them right now. But as I encounter the ones that are already there, I am going to try to be more intentional about rejoicing in those moments. I've noticed in the times that I have done that. Like there's times that I'm going through something rough. I don't like it. But instead of complaining, I go ahead and I put on a 
like a worship song and I just go, God, I don't feel like worshiping you right now, but I'm going to anyway right now because I feel like that's going to put me in a better place. And I, and I, and I praise him in the storm. And so I'm going to try to be more intentional about that this week and uh, invite you to do the same. And you can connect with me on Twitter at Matthew J. Cochran, Instagram, Matthew J. Cochran, Facebook, Matthew J. Cochran, uh, and at MatthewJCochran.com. So I hope to engage with some of you and talk to you very soon. I'll see you later.